All right. Good morning. We're glad that you are here. Uh, our family has a dog named Shelby, and Shelby is a Sheltie. Um, Shelties are, are beautiful dogs, kind of a miniature collie, but they're also a bit neurotic. At least ours is. Um, if we're out in the yard playing catch or inside playing ping pong, Shelby will circle us the entire time. Doesn't matter if it's 105 degrees or playing for 20, 30 minutes. It'll just circle us, always counterclockwise, the whole time, and barking the whole time. I mean, it's this herding instinct thing. And he also tends to be a, a bit fearful and skittish. So when our son Joel went away to college last year, Shelby didn't know what to do because he used to sleep in Joel's bed, um, uh, with, with Joel in his bed. And so the first night uh, without Joel, uh, we found Shelby on our bed, plus our cat, um, a bit tight on our queen-size mattress. Um, so Raylene went out and, and bought this very nice padded, plush, sleep comfort, you know, doggy bed for Shelby. And so we placed it at the foot of the bed thinking that Shelby would love it. That was two months ago. He still hasn't slept in it. Um, We have been trying everything we can think of to get him to enjoy this because we know he would enjoy it. But he absolutely refuses. I mean, we'll, we'll lift him up, place him in it. But the minute we walk away, you know, he sneaks out of it. He'll sleep eight feet away on a hard floor in the hallway, but he refuses to sleep on this bed. And lately, when I wake up, I notice that he's got his head hanging on the side of this doggy bed. I think we got a picture of this. Yes. So he's got his head hanging on the side of the doggy bed, but he refuses to enjoy the comfort of the bed itself. Now, in, in many ways, we're just like Shelby when it, when it comes to God's love. We, we know intellectually that God loves us. I mean, many of us can quote John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he gave his son. We know that up here. We know in our head that God is love. We know that he demonstrated that love by sending his son Jesus on the cross. We know this, but do we live in this love? Is it a regular part of our everyday experience? Is, is it something that we consistently enjoy? You know, I'm fairly certain that for most of us, maybe all of us, we're pretty much like Shelby when it comes to God's love. We know his love exists. We see it on display. We at times may lean our head against it, but for whatever reason, we can't bring ourselves to rest in it, to enjoy it, to experience it in our hearts. And the consequences of that are extremely significant. This love issue, this this longing for acceptance, it is at the core, it's at the root of almost every struggle we as humans wrestle with. Our lack of feeling loved results in um, insecurity and jealousy and manipulation and control issues and fear and addiction. We starve ourselves, we gorge ourselves, we cut ourselves, we dope ourselves, we work ourselves to death, we give ourselves sexually to people we don't even know. Why do we as humans do all these destructive, unhealthy things? It's because deep down, we're not convinced we're loved. And so our lives become this quest to prove our value, to make people desire us, or to numb the pain that we feel. Which raises a really important question. How do we move God's love from our head to our heart? How do we we make this reality more than a Bible verse we memorize, but rather a vital part of how we live 
Well, the cool news is that God has given us something for this very purpose, actually someone. Look with me at Romans chapter 5, verse 5. In fact, why don't you read this out loud with me? And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. See, notice how God wants to help us experience the fullness of his love. It's through the Holy Spirit. I mean, this is a critical aspect of the Spirit's job description in our lives. God has given to us the Holy Spirit in order to help us experience the depths of his love for us. And I love the language Paul uses here. He describes this as a pouring out. This phrase speaks of something way more than a trickle. (laughs) You know, this is Niagara Falls. This is a massive pouring out. One of the Holy Spirit's main jobs in our lives is to pour out God's love into our hearts. In other words, to move this love from our head to our experience, to our heart. So how does that happen? Well, that's what we're going to talk about today. We're we're in the second week of a 40-day journey in which we're exploring together how we can experience more of the Holy Spirit in our lives. It is not too late to jump into this more journey. Books are available in the bookstore after the service, as well as a reading guide. Also, we have a number of more small groups, about 115 actually, that have registered. So it's phenomenal. 115 more groups, and many of those are open. So you can still join this for the remaining five weeks. We encourage you to do that. You can find that list, as well as other resources at moreofthespirit.com. And also, each week, I'm doing a short video just to talk about what's specifically on my heart regarding that week's topic. And so you can watch that video, um, each of those videos at the website that was just mentioned. And by the way, you, you heard earlier about Quiet Waters. You may be wondering, what is this Quiet Waters thing? It is, imagine, it's, a, it's like a day and a half, starts Thursday evening and all day Friday, just to be with Jesus. And so we're going to have, um, it'll be times of worship and unstructured teaching and being in God's presence here in the worship center. Imagine that, uh, just that much time just to be in the Lord's presence. So I want to just encourage you, and I know it may be taking a day off work, it's worth it. Imagine a day and a half or set aside just to be with Jesus and to experience his spirit. Um, When do we make time to do that? You know, when do we make that much time to do that? So I encourage you to check that out. Take advantage of that opportunity coming up. Okay, so back to this critical question. How does the Spirit of God help us move God's love from our head to our heart? Well, there are actually, there are three specific ways, three primary ways this happens. First of all, the Spirit helps us identify our love barriers. The Spirit helps us identify our love barriers. Every one of us, whether we like it or not, whether we're aware of it or not, has barriers. Um, or to use the theological language of Shrek, we have layers, okay? We, all of us have layers, We have barriers around our hearts that keep us from experiencing God's love. And if we don't identify these barriers, if we don't identify them, we will continue to long for more of God's love, all the while wondering why it's not happening, why we're not experiencing that. And I know this because I've lived this. I've been a Christian for several years, 
But it wasn't until I began identifying, unpacking the layers I had around my heart. It wasn't until I began identifying that that I, I, I began to actually experience God's love in a real way. God has given us his Holy Spirit to help us identify what those barriers might be. In in Ephesians 1, Paul refers to the Holy Spirit as the spirit of wisdom and revelation. He is eager to reveal to us barriers that are keeping us from experiencing God's love. Now, there are two specific barriers that Paul mentions in the book of Romans. And one is found in the passage we just read. Look again at this verse. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. Notice this word shame. Paul here is contrasting our experience of God's love with our experience of shame. And he's stating that one of the barriers to experiencing God's love through the Spirit is our own shame. Shame. What is shame? Shame is different than guilt. Guilt is feeling bad for something we've done. Shame is feeling bad for who we are. It's deeper than our behavior. Shame is just this core belief that many of us carry inside of ourselves. It's this core belief there's something defective about me. It's this nagging feeling of self-hatred, self-loathing. There's something defective about who I am that makes me unlovable. Now, we don't wear this on t-shirts, I feel shame, you know, or whatever. Often, we don't even, we're not even conscious of this. But it, for many of us, it's our reality. Deep down, we do not, there, there's something wrong with it. We feel like we're, we're not lovable. And this becomes a barrier. Shame becomes a huge barrier to experiencing God's love. The problem with shame is that it leads us down all sorts of unhealthy paths. Well, you know, we, 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 uh, we try drugs to numb the pain. Um, or, or we give ourselves away sexually, hoping to feel value. We, we struggle to have deep relationships because we can't believe anyone would want to be around us. Now, so we have you know this keep people at a distance, or, or we're devastated. We're devastated by any criticism from anyone. It just devastates us. Or, or we spend our lives just trying to prove we have value, trying to prove we have worth. So shame is a it's a huge barrier. Paul mentions here it's one barrier to us experiencing God's love. There's another barrier Paul mentions in another passage in Romans. If you would turn to Romans 8, verses 15 and 16, we're going to spend the rest of our time in this passage. If you have your Bible, iPad, smartphone, whatever, turn there. This particular barrier Paul mentions here is is a cousin of shame. Um, they're, They're certainly related, and they often feed off of each other. But look with me at Romans 8, verses 15 and 16. The spirit you receive, the Holy Spirit you receive, does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship. And by him we cry, Abba, Father. The spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. I love that passage. I love this passage. We're going to unpack it here because it's fantastic. In this passage in which Paul is talking about how the Spirit helps us experiencing God's love, experience God's love, Paul identifies a second barrier, and that barrier is fear. He says, the Spirit you received does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. See, fear keeps us from experiencing God's love. So what kind of fear is he talking about here? He, he, you know, he's not talking about 
oh, typical fears you know, that we all have, fears of spiders or clowns or uh, tornadoes or whatever. Uh, rather, he's, he's referring to, some, to a couple of core fears that we have as humans, fears that significantly impact us. And he, there are two implied in this fact, not more than implied, they're, they're actually stated here. One is the fear of failure. The fear of failure. This particular fear surfaces from the slavery language that Paul uses in verse 15. Slavery in Paul's day was really more like an employer-employee relationship. It was, it was voluntary in many cases. It was, you know, people would put themselves in this relationship to pay off debts and all that stuff. So it was more like an employee-employer relationship today. And it, but it's, it's a relationship that's rooted in performance, which totally makes sense in the business world, right? And at our jobs or whatever, if I'm not performing, I may be fired. We totally get that. But that doesn't apply in our relationship with God. In 1 John 4.18, we read, there is no fear in love. But perfect love drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment, right? He's referring here to a fear of failure, right? I've got to keep doing these things. I've got to keep obeying. I've got to keep doing these things so that God loves me. Now, this may look really good on the outside. We may be really busy with all sorts of good things, but it is rooted in fear. Our relationship with God is rooted in fear. My motivation to obey or to follow God is a fear that if I don't obey, you know, there's punishment coming, there's judgment coming. That's not a love relationship. And so this fear of failure can be a huge barrier in our, in our ability to experience God's love. Another core fear that Paul alludes to here is the fear of rejection. See, Paul uses, notice Paul uses adoption language to talk about God's love, which, which alludes to this core fear we have as humans. It's the fear of being alone. It's the, the fear of being rejected, the fear of being abandoned. I mean, scientists and all sorts of experts, psychologists, well, you can read all the literature on it. They, they will tell you how, talk about how important this is from the moment of birth. This connection, this parent-child connection, this fear of abandonment and all that. And yet, the reality is we live in a broken world where none of us had perfect parents and, then, and, and we're not perfect either. And then we grew up in a world with shame, right? We grew up with, we're a world with name calling and cliques and not being invited to this party, all that stuff. You know, we, the, the truth is, here's what happens. Many of us grow into adulthood with a root fear of rejection or failure. We're adults, but we, we're, we grow into adulthood with a root fear. And we may not even identify the fear, and that's why we're talking about this. We need the Holy Spirit to help us identify that. We may not identify, but, but it rules us. And that explains why we have this obsession with our looks or an obsession about what others, other people think of us. Or we have an obsession about our GPA or an obsession about our work performance so that we become studyaholics or workaholics. Deep down, what's happening in adulthood is that we, we feel this, this need to prove we have worth or value. I'm not talking about working hard or studying hard. I'm not talking about this. It's, it goes beyond that. This is a, we are driven by how we dress, how we look, how much money we all the, We are driven. We have to have these things in order to feel good about ourselves. That's what I'm talking about. It becomes this performance-based life. 
So whether it's fear or shame or some combination of them both, these things can be substantial barriers to keep us from experiencing God's love. And so what we desperately need is the Holy Spirit's help in identifying these core fears. Now, in the book, I talk in way more detail about how often these core um, barriers are rooted in painful memories in our past, in our family growing up, or things that happened to us in school or whatever, kids making fun of us or whatever, and we just kind of stuff, sometimes we stuff those painful memories when they happen. We, we stuff those things, but they, continue to in, they can continue to influence us because then we're motivated by it. I don't want that to happen again, so I'm, this, we're motivated by fear or shame. And so the key is through the help of the Holy Spirit to identify what that barrier is, even if it means some deep heart diving and some looking at things that we'd rather forget. But it's worth it. If we don't identify it, we'll just continue to live our lives desperately wanting to, experiencing, to experience more of God's love, but always feeling like we hit a wall. It's like, I just can't feel it. Well, that may, that may be part of the problem is right here. And the only reason I can speak like this is because this is my own story. I mean, in, in my own journey, a huge breakthrough for me in my experience of God's love occurred when I began to identify this deeply rooted fear of failure, that I was living my life trying to prove something, prove that I had worth. And so that this church had to grow and this and this, all these things, you know, I was just driven by this thing. And it wasn't until I realized, identified that fear of failure that I began to experience God's love. I began to welcome the presence of the Spirit into that fear, into that place, which leads to the second way the Spirit can help us experiencing, experience God's love. And the Spirit helps us open our hearts to the Father's love for us. Looking at verse 15, the Spirit you received... And we receive the Spirit when we place our trust in Jesus. So we, we have the Spirit. The Spirit you received, you've already received this, brought about your adoption to sonship. And by him we cry, Abba, Father. See, Paul is saying that the Spirit, the Holy Spirit is the one who worked out the details of our adoption, right? That the Spirit is the one who helped facilitate this incredible demonstration of love. I mean, adoption, whether we're talking about in Paul's day or t- today, is an amazing demonstration of love. Many of you here are adopted, adopted parents. You know, you've, you've adopted or you've experienced that. I mean, t- adoption t- is to choose to welcome into your family another person who is not your son or daughter, and yet you choose to make them so. You choose to officially welcome them into your family as your own son or daughter with the same privileges given to your own children in terms of love and provision and protection and inheritance. All those things. It's amazing. And that's what God has done for us who have placed our trust in Jesus. At that moment, we Actually, before that moment, before we placed our trust in Christ, we were, we were spiritual orphans. I mean, there's no other way to say it. We, we were spiritual orphans. I mean, we, really, we were lost in our sin, right? We were orphans. But at that moment, when we placed our trust in Jesus, we, are, we were adopted into God's very own family. Not as slaves, not as employees. No, we were welcomed in as beloved sons and daughters with all the privileges that that entails, including an amazing inheritance headed our way someday. Um, so so we, we are given the gift of being God's beloved children. And what Paul points out 
Notice this. Paul points out that the Spirit is a critical part of our experiencing this. That's how we experience it. It's through the Spirit. Notice what he says in verse 15. Fascinating here. He says, and by him we cry, Abba, Father. Who's he talking about? By whom? The Spirit. By him. That's what he's talking about, the Spirit. The Spirit is the Spirit within us that enables us to cry, Abba, Father. That, In other words, the Spirit opens our heart to this incredible reality. And it truly is incredible. I mean, think about this. The God of, of the universe, the, the Holy One who created all things and who rules all things and who reigns, this God invites us into a relationship in which we can call him Abba. The word Abba was, was a term that a child in that day would use when, when talking to her dad and when talking with her dad. It's not simply father. That's a little more formal. Abba is more intimate. It's, it's more personal than that. We might, we might translate this Papa or Daddy. It's this image of a five-year-old daughter sitting on the lap of her daddy, just being held. Or, or, or the image of a teenage son just getting a bear hug from his dad. It's a love that we all long for at the core of our being. It, it is, it's, it's a love that in a perfect world we would have perfectly received from our earthly parents, but they weren't perfect and, and neither were we, right? Or are we? Um, and and we, we all grow up, as I mentioned a moment ago, we grow up with these certain aspects of fear and shame and pain and all these things. We all long, but we long for, and underneath all that, we just long to be loved for who we are. That's what we all long for. And nothing in this world offers us that. Nothing in this world offers us that kind of perfect love. But God does. In Christ, God does. Offer us this kind of love. He offers us an Abba love, a daddy love, the love we all long for. And here's the key, what Paul is saying here. It is the spirit within us that enables this love to be experienced by us. By him we cry, Abba. The Holy Spirit is stirring in our hearts this longing, this cry to God as our daddy, our papa. Now, I know this probably makes some of you men here uncomfortable. I, know, I get that. I, I totally understand. <laughs> you know, let me just speak to the men for just a moment. We like to focus on being strong, right, and being independent, not being needy. I get that. I get that. I'm a guy. I get that. But here's the problem, guys. If we aren't willing to invite the Spirit into our places of fear and shame and pain, if we're not willing to go there, we will end up being a bunch of posers. We will. We'll end up being a bunch of guys who don't know how to touch their child's heart, who don't know how to have deep relationships with anyone, who don't know how to touch their their wife's heart. We'll, We'll end up being driven by our own insecurities, chasing after things that won't satisfy, all the while watching what really matters just crumble all around us. That's what happens when we're not experiencing God's love in these places. We're just buck up, you know, got this tough front. That's great. That's what it looks like in your mind to be a man, but it's not. To be a man is to be willing to own and embrace these weaknesses and to invite the Spirit into that because then we can truly be the men that he calls us to be. 
See, the, the truth is this Abba relationship with God, it is something God in, that we all need, <laughs> it, it, men and women. It is something God invites all of us to experience because deep down, everyone, every one of us knows. And if we don't know, we need to know this, that the, this is what we long for. Deep down, this is what we long for, to be loved, period. To be loved, period. And here's the key. We have to be willing to allow the presence of our Abba into our places of shame and fear and pain. No more hiding, no more posing, no more pretending or ignoring. No, we actually welcome his love into the pain of our past. We welcome, this is a radical idea, I know, we welcome his love into into that fear of failure that drives us to work 80 hours a week. We welcome his love into that shame that causes us to overeat or to drink too much. We welcome his love into those places. I have a practice of exercising three times a week on an elliptical cross trainer machine in our basement. And there's a reason this machine is in our basement. And that's because I sweat a lot when I exercise. And, and when I sweat, I stink, right? I, you know, shirts dripping and just stink. And, 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 um, and so I fill the basement with my sweatiness. And sometimes while I'm exercising, it's usually early, early Sunday morning is one of the days I do that. And, and sometimes our youngest son, Josh, um, will come down and play video games on the PlayStation that's down there kind of right next to, to in that area of the basement. And, and and as, as many of you know, Josh is, is special needs. He's, he's 13 years old. He's nonverbal. He's cognitively um, probably about a five-year-old. But his heart is definitely in the gifted and talented um, category. Um, God, God has given him a very compassionate and sensitive heart. So one morning, as I'm stinking up the basement and drenched in sweat, Joshua came down and he, he started to play this video game. And when I was finished with my routine, I got off the equipment and, and Joshua looked at me. And he smiled and he patted the seat beside him. He wanted me to play video games with him. I said, Josh, look, you know, I, I am so stinky right now. You, you do not want to get close to me. No one else in our family does right now. You, you trust me. You do, you do not want to get close to him. Just all sweaty and stinky. But he just kept patting the seat <laughs> and smiling. I mean, he wanted me to be there with him, stink and all. So I sat down and we played together. I'll never forget that because it it is such a vivid picture of God's heart for us. We think I'm too stinky, I'm too sinful, I'm too broken, I'm too messed up (laughs) for you to ever be with me, God. I'm just too messed up. But through the Spirit, through the Spirit, God pats the seat beside him and he says, I want to be with you. I love you, stink and all. When, when is the last time? When is the last time you just sat down with your Abba and let Him love you? No posing, no hiding, no pretending to have your act together. When, when is the last time, in the midst of your failure, in the midst of your brokenness, in the midst of your pain, you just let Him draw near to you and wrap His arms of love around you? It would be worth spending time in that place as often as possible. And it's the Holy Spirit who lives in you that can make that possible. By him we cry, Abba. By him we experience God as Abba.
we can open our heart and welcome him into those places. Well, there's one other thing the Spirit does to help us experience God's love. Third, the Spirit continually reminds us of our identity. The Spirit continually reminds us of our identity. I think verse 16 is just one of the most fascinating verses when it comes to the ministry of the Spirit. Look again at what Paul says here. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. I mean, this is absolutely amazing to me. What Paul is saying is that part of the Spirit's ministry in us is to continually remind us of the truth of who we are in Christ. See, the Spirit is continually whispering to our souls, you are my son, you are my daughter, you are precious to me, you are loved by me. John Ortberg once wrote about a father um, walking through the mall with his two-year-old son. And the child was cranky and he kept whining and wiggling and complaining. And the father struggled to remain patient, as many of us can kind of relate to that, right? But instead of getting angry, the father tried a different strategy. He scooped up a little two-year-old grumbler um, and he held him tight to his chest and he began to sing an impromptu song, love song. None of the words rhymed. He sang it off key, but as best he could, he shared his heart through song. You know, sort of like the movie Elf, you know. I love you, you know. I'm so glad you're my boy. You make me laugh. From store to store, the father kept going. Words not rhyming, notes off key. And as he did, the son relaxed captivated by this strange and wonderful song. Finally, when they, when they finished, the dad went to the car and he buckled his son in the car seat and right then his little boy raised his arms and lifted up his head and said, sing it to me again, daddy. <laughs> sing it to me again. <laughs> Isn't that the cry of our hearts? Sing it to me again, Father. <laughs> Isn't that the cry of our hearts? Isn't that what our hearts ultimately long for when we're cranky and we're proud and we're sinful and we're hurting? Don't we long to hear our Father sing over us, to hear our Father say to us, I love you. I love you. My love is not dependent upon your performance or your looks or your report card or your your sinlessness. I just love you because I love you. Paul tells us here, that's exactly what the Spirit does in our hearts. It's exactly what the Spirit does in our hearts. <laughs> he is continually reminding us of the truth that we are loved by the God of the universe. Are we listening for the Spirit's whisper? Are we attentive to this gentle reminder? I don't know about you, but I need this regularly. I need this regularly. I need to be reminded that my identity is not wrapped up in what I do or in how many people happen to attend church some Sunday morning or whether or not everyone in the church is happy or people are like me or whatever. I, I, you know, I need this regularly. In fact, I've actually built this into my prayer life. Because I need it so much. I build it in my prayer life. I share about this in the book in more detail. But for a number of years, in, in my prayer time with God, I've been praying through the 
all the sections of the Lord's Prayer, the six sections of the Lord's Prayer. And, and the first is what I call presence. It's focused on the phrase, our Father in heaven. That's where I begin. And so when I start my prayer time, I like to take a few moments, maybe it's just a minute or two, and I just reflect upon God's presence with me. Abba. And often in that time, I will say something like, my Abba, thank you that your love for me is not dependent upon my looks, my performance, my abilities, my sinlessness, what other people think of me, the size of the church, etc., etc. I am loved completely in you because of Jesus. Jesus, you paid for my sin on the cross. I rest in the fullness of your love for me, my Abba. Thank you for your love for me. Just rest in that. I, I start my prayer time with that reminder. I need that reminder. I need it because my heart, maybe you can relate, my heart can so easily start to feel jealous of someone who's more successful than I am. Or I can start to feel worried about you know, certain things going on in, in relationships or in the church or whatever. I need the Spirit regularly whispering to my soul, reminding me that I am indeed God's child and that he is my Abba Father and that nothing can change that. That that's my core identity, not these other things I do. My core identity is in that whisper. You're my son. I love you. I mean, don't we all need that regularly? And you can build it into your prayer life if that would be helpful. You can begin by rooting yourselves, rooting your soul in this reality. But we all need that. And the Holy Spirit can help that happen. He's whispering to us who we are, whose we are. I mean, in, in scientific terms, <laughs> the distance from our head to our heart is about 12 inches, right? But in spiritual terms, that can feel like 12 miles, can't it? I mean, that can feel like 12 miles. We know all sorts of information about God's love. We memorize the verses. But you see, God longs for us to experience it. And the Holy Spirit within us can help that happen. But we have to be willing to go there. We have to be willing to, to let him help us see some barriers, maybe our fear, our shame, our pain. We have to help him see the barriers that keep us from this love. And then we, we have to allow him to help us open our hearts to him as, as our Abba. And then we, we have him regularly. We have to be attentive to this regular whisper to our souls that we are indeed God's children. <laughs> Let's pray together. Let's just quiet our hearts here for a moment of response. This is between you and the Lord. Holy Spirit, thank you that you're here and we ask you to pour out your love into our hearts. Pour out the Father's love right now. And first of all, Lord, I want to pray, Holy Spirit, you would help us identify those barriers. Granted, we just have a, a few moments here, but that you would help us begin identifying that there are some of us here, we've been in bondage to fear. It is ruling our lives as adults. 
or shame is ruling our lives. Maybe it's rooted in some pain in the past or whatever, but, and you may think, oh, that's, you know, I've stuffed that in the closet somewhere. It's not impacting me. For many of us, it is impacting us. And so, Holy Spirit, I pray you would begin opening our eyes to help us see where there is fear or shame that is impacting our ability to experience your love. We're still trying to prove. We're still trying to earn your love. Lord, I pray you'd open our eyes to see those places. And as those things come to mind, and again, this is just the beginning. I would encourage you to spend some time with the Lord on on this, but I would encourage you as those things come to mind, just welcome the Holy Spirit into those places. God knows about them. Just admit them. No more posing. No more pretending. Just admit it. Yeah, I'm afraid, Lord. Terrified of failure in my marriage. I'm terrified of failure at work. Or I don't really believe that anyone could love me. Just welcome. Admit that and welcome the Spirit into that place. Because by him we cry, Abba. So Holy Spirit, I pray you would be stirring this Abba love in our hearts to cry, Abba, Daddy, Papa. And I pray, Holy Spirit, you would just turn up the volume. It would help us be more attentive to you testifying with our spirits, with our hearts, that we are your children. I pray we would be more and more attentive to that voice. Thank you, Holy Spirit. You're the one that can help us experience God's love, and we pray for that. We pray for more of you. And I want to pray even for the more groups meeting this week as they're going to process this material. God, that you, as we process together, you would help us grow in this. And as people are reading the book and maybe painful memories are coming to, to, to mind, all this, you would, be, or you would be moving in these areas, bringing a greater experience of your love. So I want to encourage you just to sit in the Lord's love here, just to enjoy his love for you. And while you're doing that, I want to give another invitation because there may be some of you here and and what you need to understand is that this is a relationship that we have to enter into through Christ. The Bible makes it very clear. We're not automatically adopted into God's family. We're spiritual orphans. He's holy and we're not. We're separated from God because of our sin. The Bible is very clear. That's why Jesus died on the cross. It wasn't just to be our example. He died in our place to be our savior. He took our sin upon himself. And because he paid for that, we can be adopted into his family. And there are some of you here and you're not sure you're adopted into God's family. Maybe you think that being in a relationship with God is about trying hard and going to church and trying to be a good person. No, it doesn't work. We have to be adopted. It's a legal transaction that has to happen through the blood of Christ. And so I want to invite you right now, maybe you're unsure of this, I want to invite you to enter into a relationship with God through Christ. I'd love to lead you in a prayer. I'm going to lead you in a prayer right now. You can pray this in the quiet of your heart. Just pray it to the Lord. Dear God, 
I admit that I'm a spiritual orphan. You are holy and I'm not. I'm separated from you because of my sin. But I don't want to be separated from you. And I thank you that you sent your son Jesus to die on the cross for my sin. You died in my place. And I am choosing to place my trust in you. I bring to you my failures, my fears, my sins, every part of me I bring to you. The things I'm ashamed of, I bring to you and I lay it on your shoulders because you paid for all that on the cross. And now I receive you. Holy Spirit, I receive you. Come live in me, forgive my sins, past, present, and the sins I haven't even committed yet. Forgive all of those sins and come now live in me, Holy Spirit. So Father, I want to pray for anyone who prayed that prayer. Help them grow in this Abba relationship with you to experience more and more of your love. And I pray that for all of us, we would grow in our experience of your love. Now, we have, a, we have a wonderful way to acknowledge this love, to open our hearts afresh to this love, and that's by partaking of the Lord's Supper. You don't have to be a member here. If you've placed your trust in Jesus, you can partake this morning. I'm gonna have the ushers. Why don't you come forward, if you would, just to get ready. You don't hand out the elements quite yet, but just come up front and get ready. Let me just explain how this is gonna work. In just a moment, ushers are gonna pass the trays around. As a tray comes by, There are two cups stacked. Just take both of those cups out and hold on to that. We're going to partake together. I'm going to come back up and we're going to partake together. So hold on to that cup. One has the bread and one has the juice. Hang on to that. And then then I'm going to come up in just a moment and we'll partake together of each of those. And while we're receiving the elements in terms of them being passed out, the worship team is just going to play a song over us. If you know the song, you can sing it if you want. But we want these words just to wash over us as we are enjoying the Father's love for us in Christ. So, ushers, go ahead and pass the elements out. i 